you're listening to the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast, the podcast for the Ravenna Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, aka the Dirt Path Pastor, and my team and I strive to share the message of God's Word with you, seasoned with grace, laced with truth, and applying to your everyday life. Christmas from Ravenna Church of the Nazarene. Uh, in today's episode, Pastor Nicole shares from the birth story of Jesus recorded in Luke chapter 2. And even though the, the Jewish people knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah, and we the same prophecies that you and I look at and we, we see them, we, see, we clearly see Jesus. They looked at those, but they didn't see Jesus. So what's that have to teach us? And that's what Pastor Nicole is going to share in this message today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. So, as you all can see, we're... At the end of our Advent series, Deck the Halls. And this graphic actually is probably the the most intentional, I suppose. Because the whole idea of Deck the Halls is decking out anything that stands as a barrier, really, between us and Jesus. Any faulty understanding, any heretical beliefs, and even just the things that that we allow our, our own expectations to block us from Jesus. So... I want to share with you a story about, I think I was, I think I was 12. Do y'all remember Furbies? These really annoying owl-like creatures. Well, I wanted one. I wanted one so bad. And my sister just so happened to have given me a package that was the right size and shape for a Furby box. And I was so excited. I, I knew that she had gotten me a Furby for Christmas. But she insisted that she had it. And, and so I, in typical 12-year-old spoiled brat fashion, I flat out told her, well, a Furby is all I want for Christmas. And so if you didn't get me a Furby, I don't want it. 
And my sister ended up going to my mom in tears because she had spent all of her hard-earned money to get me a present that I insisted I didn't want because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I was rejecting her gift. But I didn't know what it was. But it was all because I had this expectation, this is this desire for a stupid little Furby. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, or in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, what does this have to do with that Furby? I'm sure y'all are wondering. You see, the Jews had a very specific idea of what they expected the Messiah to be. They wanted him to be a descendant of David, which he was. But they wanted him to gain sovereignty over the land of Israel as well. They wanted Israel to be its own sovereign nation, not governed by the Romans, not governed by the Babylonians, not oppressed by any other powerful kingdom. They wanted Israel to be sovereign. They wanted the Messiah to gather the Jews from all over the earth, the displaced ones that had been taken away during the times of exile. Is there any way we can turn this down? It's a little hot. <laughs> um, so they wanted, they wanted all the Jews gathered from the four corners of the earth. And they wanted to restore the full observance of the Torah law. They wanted the Messiah to do this, the full observance. And they wanted the Messiah to bring world peace. This was their expectation. This was their Furby, if you will. This is what they wanted from the Messiah, and if they didn't get exactly this, they didn't want it. Instead, they got a newborn baby who was wrapped in average swaddling clothes. He wasn't wrapped in some kingly garb. He wasn't clothed in silken linens. He was wrapped in probably not even a new 
swaddling blanket. Just average what you would wrap any other newborn in. He was laying in a manger. He wasn't even laying in a crib. Not even... He wasn't even granted the dignity of being born in an actual bedroom. You know, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but you know the Bible doesn't actually say that Jesus was born in a stable. It does say that he was laid in a manger, which implies that he was definitely where the animals were, but he might have been in the yard of a family member's house because that's where they kept the animals. There was no guest room available. There was no housing available in, for, from all of Joseph's family to the inns. There was nowhere for him to go. So they found a place among the animals. He wasn't even granted the dignity of being born in a bedroom. born among the animals, and he was laying in a manger. That's not what they expected at all. They were expecting a king. But they didn't get a king. See, Jesus' arrival overthrew everyone's expectations. All of Israel, Jesus' arrival overthrew everyone's expectations. Thanks be to God. Because if it had just been, if Jesus' arrival had just been according to the expectations of the Jewish people, We wouldn't have a savior. We wouldn't. That, the, their desire for a Messiah didn't extend to the Gentiles. Their desire for the freedom of the Jewish people did not extend to us. Their expectation, what, what did extend to us was the expectation that we would follow the Torah law that we would be subservient to their culture. But the grace that they would receive did not extend to the Gentile people. So thank God that his arrival and salvation were not limited to the expectation of the chosen people. Because God's plan was so much better. But I want to point something out. Every single one of those expectations that the Jews had for the Messiah were based on Scripture. There are actual verses that they took 
and that they applied to their belief regarding the Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come from the line of David because in Jeremiah 23, verse 5, it says, I, the Lord, promise that a new, that a new time will certainly come when I will raise up from them a righteous branch, a descendant of David. He will rule over them with wisdom and understanding and will do what is just and right in the land. So they, they were right to believe that a king would come from the line of David. But they thought that the, re the reason why they expected him to be a descendant of David was so he would be a legitimate heir to the throne. To the throne of Israel. They believed that the Messiah would gain eternal sovereignty for Israel due to their understanding of Daniel's 7 verse 14, which says, To him was given rule, ruling authority, honor, sovereignty. All peoples, nations, language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Their belief that Israel would have sovereignty came from Scripture. Their belief that the Messiah would gather Jews from all over the world comes from Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12. It says, He will lift a signal flag to the nation. He will gather Israel's dispersed people and assemble Judah's scattered people from the four corners of the earth. Sounds pretty clear to me. Their belief that he was going to enforce the Torah, the Torah law comes from Michael, uh, Micah, not Michael, Micah 4, verse 2, which says, Many nations will come saying, Come on, let's go up to the Lord's mountain, to the temple of Jacob's God, so he can teach us his ways, and we can live by his laws. And there are just way too many verses to list about their belief that the Messiah would bring world peace. <coughs> Their belief and their expectations for who the Messiah would be and what he would be weren't based off of a whim. They were based on scripture. True scripture, scripture that we read. The same ones. And what's interesting about that is the fact that we look at these scriptures, and these are messianic prophecies that we also accept. These are prophecies that we also accept as things that Jesus did fulfill. So what's different? The difference is, is our interpretation of them. <clears throat> Their expectations come from Scripture. But they missed it because their expectations 
for what those scriptures meant, their, their interpretation of those scriptures took precedence over what God was actually saying through those scriptures. You see, to most of us in this room, it's painfully obvious that Jesus is the Messiah. It's painfully obvious. We read the New Testament, we look back at the prophecies, and we're like, yep, Jesus fulfilled that, he fulfilled that. Oh, I get why the law says that, because Jesus fulfilled it over here. Another rabbit trail, I have to tell you guys this. Okay, so I was reading through the Bible, like all the way through for the first time. I think this was like when I was 13 or something like that. And I was reading in the Levitical law where it was talking about the perfect sacrifice for, um, uh, one of the offerings. (laughs) Sorry, I can't think of the word. Um, but it was one of the offerings. And, and the prophecy, or the, the law required that the lamb must be without blemish. And that when it was pierced, you had to be careful not to break any of its bones. And, of course, I had also just read the Gospels where it's talking about Jesus on the cross and how when he was pierced, they made, they made it pretty clear that when he was stabbed with the spear, it didn't break any of his bones. I, was, I always wondered why that was, and it was because in the Levitical law, the lamb couldn't have any blemish or any broken bones. And so Jesus fulfilled that perfect sacrifice over here. And it was the most beautiful thing. Like I I literally cried for like an hour when I read that because it was so beautiful. And so, you know, we see those, we see the ways that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies when we read the New Testament, when we when we see the story of Jesus being played out. But the issue is is that the Jews were so blinded by their expectations that they missed it. And to this day, they can read the New Testament and be like, nope, that's not a fulfillment of it because it's supposed to play out in this way. And it's like, come on, people, it's not so hard. But the difference is, is that when we were introduced to Jesus, we were not blinded by those expectations. Those were not a barrier for us. We saw Jesus for who he was because the filter was out of the way. The filter of tradition and expectation and and our own personal desires of what we want the Messiah to be, they were gone. They They were non-existent. And that's how we met Jesus. Yes, sir. But because the Jews were looking for a Messiah based on what they wanted, they weren't looking for a baby. 
They weren't looking for humble surroundings. They weren't looking for a manger. You know what they were looking for? They were looking for the pomp and circumstance of a conquering king. They were looking for the enforcement of the Torah law. And because they were so caught up in what they thought those scriptures meant, they missed out on the word when it became flesh. They were so desperate to see the law honored that they missed the law fulfilled. They were so desperate to have a king take the throne in Jerusalem that they missed the king taking the throne of heaven. What does this have to do with us? What can we learn from the Jews of the day and how Jesus' arrival overthrew everything they thought? What can we learn from that? As much as many of us would hate to admit it, we do the same thing. Now that we've been in church, we've grown up in church, we've read the Bible, we've we've heard sermon after sermon after sermon getting preached, we've developed opinions about everything that everything under the sun. We've added filters. We've added filters through which we interpret God's word. Jason just finished reading a book called Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, and I haven't read it yet, but I want to. And, and the point of that book, this much I do know, the point of that book is talking about how we, because of our privilege and, and culture in America, we often misinterpret what God's Word says. We, we don't get the point of it. We don't understand fully what something means. But we, we all do that. And, and we all do that in ways that, that really hinder our ability to see Jesus for who he is. Um, I remember growing up, I, my, my parents were very passionate about only driving Ford trucks, okay, like they're Ford people. Jason laughs and says, you know, they've already circled the problem, but, and I have to agree with that because Fords are terrible, but, <laughs> but I remember growing up, we were so ingrained with you only drive Fords in this family, 
But I actually thought that if Jesus were like were around and he had a truck, it would be a Ford truck. That that Jesus would only drive Fords. I I was Jaden's age and I actually had a an argument with a kid at school who insisted Chevys were better because I legitimately thought that they were bashing Jesus because Jesus would drive Fords. Looking back, it's silly. Very. <laughs> but but that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, we look at our lives. We look at how we've grown up. We look at the traditions that we've always seen played out. And we associate those as what Jesus would do. This is, this is who Jesus would be. If we could, if he were sitting right here in the front pew, he'd be wearing this, or he'd be singing this type of song, only listening to this kind of music, only, only voting for these people, only reading these books, only whatever. We, we have taken Jesus and given him our expectations. We're being like the Jews in so many ways. When we look at scriptures now, and we're expecting Jesus to be who we want. We're expecting God to be who we want. And when God says something to us that we don't like, we say we don't want it. Because it doesn't fit my doesn't fit my desires. In many ways, we're allowing history to repeat itself. Well, we're doing just what the Jews did, where we're studying the scriptures, but we're placing it, we're reading it through our filter. Rather than tell, allowing God to tell us what he wants to tell us, we're telling God what he means with what he tells us. And then when we, when we see somebody speaking out, trying to share what God has placed on their heart, and we don't like it, we shut it down. 
We give it a label. And we say, that's not, that's not, that, that, that's not what God meant. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to just take everything in and accept everything. And I'm not saying that we should throw out everything that we've, we've ever believed or our expectations. I'm not saying some of those expectations are good and holy and we should have them because the Bible is very clear. But if God's people who spent thousands of years yearning for a Messiah and studying scripture missed the arrival of the Messiah, who are we to think that we are beyond that? These were God's chosen people. And they were yearning. But they still missed it. But there are two. Later on in in chapter two, of the book of Luke. Two people that I think give us the answer for how we don't do this, how we don't miss it. The first one is a man called Simeon. In verse 25, it says, Now there was in Jerusalem, or there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous and devout, looking for the restoration of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's key. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon, directed by the Spirit, came into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him that which was customary according to the law, Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God, saying, Now according to your word, sovereign Lord, permit your servant to depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence for all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So the child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, listen carefully, this child is destined to be the cause of falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be rejected. Indeed, as a result of him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having been married to her husband for seven years until his death. She had lived as a widow since then for 84 years. She never left the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. At that moment, she came up to them and began to give thanks to God and to speak about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So first, 
There was Simeon. He was, like the rest of the Jews, yearning for the restoration of Israel. But he was allowing the Holy Spirit to guide that yearning. He was allowing the Holy Spirit to tell him what the scriptures meant. He was allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to him. Not allowing his cultural filter to block the truth from him. And then there was Anna. That woman never left the temple. That woman knew that if she earnestly sought God, he would reveal himself to her. So she sought him for 84 years at that temple. She fasted, she prayed, she wept. And because her heart was to receive God's gift and not and not tell God what his word says. God revealed himself to her. So what does that mean for us? What that means is we need to stop seeking our own way. We need to stop seeking our own desires of how God moves in this church, how God moves in this town. How God moves in our own lives. Because God does things his own way. God takes the simple, the things that we reject. And he uses them to bring him glory. Think about it. God brought pagan astronomers to worship him. People we would reject. God brought in the dirty, grungy, smelly shepherds. People, let's face it, we reject. People that were rejected by society. God took a young lady who wasn't even married yet, who we would still consider a child, 
from Nazareth. Which, by the way, is bad side of the tracks. He made her the mother of the Messiah. He took someone we would reject. And let's face it, if a little girl walks in here pregnant, we'd kind of be like, hmm. But he used her to bring glory. And then he comes to the earth. Not as the conquering king that everybody wants, but as a baby who wasn't even granted the dignity of a room or a bed. He was laid in a manger, which is disgusting. And it brought him glory. God doesn't need our expectations to bring him glory. He will do it. But our, my question is, will we miss it because our expectations have blinded us? Are we willing to let those things shatter? Somewhat. As people, we can't help ourselves. We enter things with expectations. We see things and we expect certain things from them. But how many times does reality not match what, our, what we expect? It's very easy to read scriptures and imprint our version of Jesus upon them. But that's not the way it's supposed to happen. And what's supposed to happen is we're to read scriptures and Jesus through the Holy Spirit is to leave an impression upon our hearts. When we talk about having being expecting Jesus and, and, and expecting to encounter him, that's what we mean. Can we allow Jesus to show us who he really is? Can we let go of the things that aren't of him and hold on to him? Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Burt Passman Podcast. It was recorded live at the Ravenna Church in Nazarene, located at 530 Main Street in Ravenna, Kentucky. You can learn more about the Ravenna Church in Nazarene by visiting ravnaz.com. If you'd like to send me a message, just simply use the link in the show notes.